Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 137. As always, I'm joined by Jordan. Here it is, the moment you've been waiting for. And uh, back this week, Dom. You know, it, it really is, it's it's a great honor to be here with you guys here, so. Yeah, we missed you last hey, particularly week. Particularly you, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we had a guest last week, uh, Dom. We had Chris over, so he filled in for you nicely. Chrissy um, Noons. Yep. And uh, it's good to have you back. Usually I start with what I've been playing, but I figured we'd change it up. Um, Dom, Dom, what have you been playing since you've been gone a couple of weeks? Dom, um, real, what quick, have I been real playing? quick, Dom. What movie was that little quote from that I just introed on? I actually don't know. Come on, bud. It's a Kingdom Hearts movie. <laughs> There's 50 50 chance I've not seen it, so. <laughs> yeah. Jared? Man, I want to say. Cinder- this is like, this is more of a cult classic. Obviously, you know it's a Disney movie by this point if it's in Kingdom Hearts. But it's more of like a cult classic. It's not like, um, <clears throat> you know, heralded as these all time greats, you might. It's, it's not, not the Little Mermaid. It's not Hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Oh, you got it, boy! Oh, wow, okay. Here it is, the yeah. moment you've been waiting for. I like that movie. Yeah, Underrated. That's my fucking jam, bro. I used to watch that shit all the time, bro. Esmeralda, <laughs> Gypsy Princess, I'm back. Gargoyles? It wasn't popular. Gargoyles, it was thank you. Yeah, it has a lot of cool shit in that movie. People think that the reason it wasn't successful is because the main character was ugly, which is like kind of sad if you think about it. Oh, yeah, uh, very yeah. sad. Uh, Dom, anyways, what have you been playing since we haven't talked um, to you? Shoot, so I don't know if I mentioned it since, because I've been gone. I, I'm done with Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, you, you're, last time you were on, you told us you'd beat it, yeah. Yeah, so that's done, and I, I started to go for the Platinum. I actually ended up getting all the collectibles, all the emblems and the chests and the, you know, the treasures and the... Oh, jeez. What are the collectibles? I, it, that was actually not too bad. I kind of like that, because I... Went and found different parts of levels that I hadn't seen, especially in the Caribbean. I hadn't really done anything in that world because to, if you mainline the story in that level, like you don't see 80% of the level. Um, there's actually a ton of stuff going on in different islands. But after that, I started looking into what it takes to get like all the materials to craft, like you know, the oh, Ultima geez. Keyblade and the, and a few other things. And I, and I just kind of like, I just, ugh, it's gonna take me. I've already played this game for 60 hours. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that was pause time, but still, I was like, I played this game so much, and I just, I'd be nice to have this platinum, but I just don't want to do Save it. Save that so. energy for Sekiro. You're gonna need that platinum just, energy for Sekiro. Yeah. Sekiro. So I just decided, no, I'm not doing this platinum anymore. But it's a fun game overall. It gets better uh, at the end. Who's to say you might not come back to it like years down the line or something? You're like, hey, I want a platinum Kingdom Hearts three. It gives you something later, you know, if you don't want to do it right now. No, definitely not going to do that. No. <laughs> I, can, I'm trying to be I can almost certainly tell you that will not happen. That is not okay. what I'd come back to. That, that do, I have done that, though. I did that for Bloodborne. Um, but anyway, besides the point. So, yeah, I played... Hello, my name is Dr. Kingdom, Bloodborne. Bunch Sorry. of guys. Uh, Kingdom Hearts. My boys, my boys Sora and Riku, you know, the whole gang. Uh, Your boy. Uh, Titan Souls. Played a little bit of Titan that. Titan Souls. On the still fully operating and living and breathing system called the Vita. So I gotta pause you right here. <laughs> yeah. This right here. This is the moment. Talking about the moment you've been waiting for, Jared. Do you remember when this adorable little hatchling 
told us that he had never really played indie games before. <laughs> well, that, that was like, a day. I think I'll buy a Vita and start playing indie games. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Titan Souls is one of those games where when you told us that you really hadn't gotten into indie games, I'm like, fuck, I guess you missed Titan Souls then, because that totally sounds like something that you would vibe with. So games like this are exactly the reason that I was so excited for you to be I introducing about yourself <laughs> via the Vita, via the Vita, uh, Vita, Vita. to these um, indie titles, these indie classics, if you will. So this is it. This is the the glory moment that I'm just I'm basking in the glow at this point. Well, and you know, Hollow Knight was kind of all the all the rage for a minute, so I wasn't going to miss that. But uh, sure. this is no, Titan Souls. This we've is had, one we've had the the story the character arc yeah exactly (laughs) right but i think this is i think you're right though jordan this is a bit of a defining moment because titan souls is it was a ps plus game from i don't even know how long ago so when i had you know i just downloaded on the vita and said "Ah, you know what i want to check this out so like this is an older indie game and i went back special because it's kind of like a swimming in sevens moment almost where you're like i've played some indie games i've had some under my belt now i'll try some of the the cult classics acquired taste so it's a pretty cool game i actually really like it i i would play for i don't know less than like two or three hours I, that's how I far think i'm I almost done yeah yeah i think it's i think i'm almost done with it uh there might be another area after this one i'm in but i'm i don't know i'll find out but i really like the you just have this one arrow and you gotta you could shoot it but then that's the only one you got so you gotta recall that one before you can shoot again and all the bosses technically only take one hit to kill but some of them have, like, puzzle elements where you actually have to use the arrow and, like, I don't know, for example, like, knock off a sheet of armor or, like, break them away from whatever they're encapsulated in. Trying to be yeah. vague, I guess. But, like yeah, the so jelly boss. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not – you could think of it as it's they're all one hit, but t- some of them require, you know, more finesse than that. But um, Got to get to that ooey-gooey center sometimes. Yeah. Then that's, that's, center that Tootsie that's Pop. That's unnerving. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool concept. And it's only bosses. So far that I'm played through, so that's all the uh, game is. It's boss rush, yeah. Yeah, so just some bosses. It's I don't know. It's it's really fun. I like the art style. It's really <clears throat> simple. There's not much going on as far as like textures and stuff. Um, yeah. But I kind of like that. I don't know. It's it's just a really cool little game. Actually, cool kind of looks like Hyperlight Drifter, right? Yeah, not as dramatic in its art style, but it looks. It's like if if Hyperlight Drifter, you know, was only twenty percent complete with its. <laughs> art mm. <laughs> that's what this game looks like which is it's like detailed, it's like hyper light drifter on low settings exactly that's a good way yeah. to put it yeah so yeah this this it's been pretty fun um but i think that's <coughs> all i've played uh, you downloaded red dead 2 <laughs> yeah i have red dead 2 waiting for me but now it's too late so it's gonna have to wait until after sekiro sekiro so, i'm just glad you have it at step one <laughs> yeah i'm pumped to play it but yeah. i know like nothing can stop me from sekiro and like that's That's definitely a game you don't want to hop in eight days before another big release and then jump ship. It's right. a game you want to like sink your teeth and when the you know the gaming landscape for you personally, there's nothing else out there. Jump exactly. in and dive in and take your time. Yeah. Game's so good. Oh, I will point out, I did play a little bit of Modern Warfare Remastered because that was a free mm. PS Plus game. Yep. So actually, here's the craziest part. Uh, it's not that crazy to you guys because I've been saying weird shit like this for a while now. But I played it via remote play on the Vita. Nice. And hear me out. First game of multiplayer. Not only do I not like have any of my custom classes or anything like that. When you first start, you got to unlock that. 
after like a couple hours. First game, your boy goes like I think it was <coughs> thirteen and eight, whatever, Damn. just from the Vita, lag and all. than I would have done on a controller on a PS4. Yeah, that, that muscle memory. It exactly. It's so much muscle memory, like because I can barely aim. It's it, you know, it's, it's the Vita, so like you don't have much thumbstick kind of maneuverability. And just small screen, and I got like some input lag. The controls actually were mapped really, really well. This is the best possible example of a, of a developer who actually took great time to to put the controls function on a Vita. And they even have like their own graphic that shows the controls. Most games use like the default PlayStation one. But anyway, yeah, 15 and 8 from the Vita. Like, I can't remember the name of the map. It's where the helicopters crashed in the middle. Um, crash. It just... Dom, you're becoming wow. like a remote play expert. Like, there's the default PlayStation graphic, <laughs> yeah. but then there's custom by the developer, and I really appreciate that. Like, holy oh, shit. And, and you know, you know this guy, before I bought Red Dead, went and looked up how the remote play function works with Red Dead Redemption. Gross. So, have you now, are you familiar with any of the, like, uh, $20 grips you can get for your Vita that will... Yep, I got one. Like... You got one that yep. will actually touch the touchpad for you. Yeah, and make it I've not used it yet, actually, but um, yeah, I might need to one day. So I, yeah, had to have that. Um, it came with the Vita, actually. I, I can't wait but, for the guy who's going to play the game that the biggest gripe against it is its controls to try playing it on a Vita. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's the the fascinating thing about it is like, yeah, the screen I think is like a like a five forty p or whatever, but. Um, you're still getting like the same image quality, just kind of the resolution is scaled down. It's but otherwise, yeah. it's the same image quality, um, and it's a small screen, so you don't notice the lower resolution. So it's, I don't know. I mean, it's just smaller screen, but it's the same, you know, fidelity. Otherwise, that I, I think it's pretty impressive. Either the best benefit great, is it allows you to play games more often than you normally would because exactly if somebody's if your wife's taking up the TV or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or you're on the so road I mean, or, it's. Yeah, I'm like probably like the last person alive in the world still championing remote play, let alone you know the Vita. But it's been great for me, man. I, yeah, our remote out play here, indie game connoisseur. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm out here watching people like downloading this remote play iOS app and like using these on-screen touch Gross. controls. I'm like, come on, guys, come on, guys. Let's let's be let's be you know classy gentlemen. These are Vitas. <laughs> Yeah, that's why, and we'll get to it later in the show during the news, but like when they were showing off xCloud for Xbox, and they added the attachment that just puts your phone above your controller, I'm like, that's how I want to use it. You know, that's I, mean? ideal. I don't want to yeah. do touch controls, yeah. But. The, the problem for right now is, and they kind of overlooked this, I don't know how, but that, that Remote Play iOS app for PS4, you cannot use a, a controller at all, because the <laughs> iPhone like, doesn't accept the DualShock input or something stupid. So it's like, they need to figure that out, because otherwise it's... Mostly useless unless you just want to like browse the menu. Um, yeah. Very few games are like playable at that, I would imagine. Yeah, very weird oversight. We'll talk about more oversights probably later, but who knows? <laughs> uh, that was it for you, Jordan. What have you been playing? You finally get to Kingdom Hearts three. I hate to disappoint, Jared. Not only did I not play Kingdom Hearts, I had another week without a game. Um. <clears throat> just been doing a lot of stuff been uh staying out a little bit later i guess you could say and um whoa it's been uh, partying uh, not quite hands but, uh, up to playing your song the butterflies fly oh, geez. away oh geez <laughs> um no but uh 
just I've also been uh, I'll tell you what I've been watching Jared I've been binge watching now that it's over the game over Greggy show and uh, yeah now that it has completed its run I've decided to rewatch it uh, probably one final time all the way through and uh, a couple hundred episodes and so yeah I'll just kind of go at my own pace um, sometimes I, I get you know uh, to where I don't necessarily want to play video games and then I'm also like don't even want to mess with anime and I might watch a movie or something but uh, there are some times where I just uh, kind of like put music on and have podcasts going and um, it can be uh, nice to break from always like trying to follow storylines you know um, so that's what I've been doing is is uh, playing a lot of the the old game over Greggy episodes. You know it's crazy. Um, yeah. Are you guys familiar with the comedy button? Yeah. Yes, Brian Altano, right? Yeah, Brian Altano, His Max name? Scoville, uh, Ryan Scott, who doesn't really talk, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Scott Bromley, and it used to be Anthony Gallegos, but he hasn't been on for the last right. a year and a half or so. Uh, to your point of like re-listening to the or rewatching the Game Over Greggy show, I've gone through their catalog of Comedy Bun podcast twice in in uh, over the course of me knowing about them. Obviously, yeah. at one point it was a lot less podcasts, and the sure. later time it was more. But uh, one of them was when I didn't have internet, so it was like I had them all downloaded. And the cool thing with like podcasts or TV that you've seen before, like maybe watching through Friends again, or if you don't like if you don't have good taste, maybe Seinfeld. Um, oh, <laughs> it's just a joke. Bro. It's just a joke. Is that you're already yeah. familiar with a lot of the like the taste? The guy that doesn't like Breaking Bad, cough, cough. <laughs> Sorry, was that cough Holy subtle shit. enough? I never, I never said I didn't like Breaking Bad. Oh, revisionist historian, he is. No, I'm not saying. I, I'm not saying I said I liked it either. I said I stopped watching it because I didn't like. It's just the show. Indifferent. You didn't like the show. I guess, but it's different than me saying. <laughs> I didn't like it, but it wasn't because I thought it was bad. You know? I'm with you, Jared. There's been shows. There's definitely been and shows I'm that I would it. say. So, yeah, you're giving it a chance. I I'm writing my there's definitely There's definitely shows that I would say I liked, but just stopped watching. So even that's an even further yeah. weird you know, way to describe <laughs> it. But Anyways, to my original point after my bad joke... Uh, it's cool because you don't necessarily have to fully pay attention. It's just you kind of want to hear these conversations you enjoyed the first time around just taking place right. again, you know? Right. And like you said, sometimes and you I, don't have to follow a narrative. You could just, like, chill out and just, as a, a hippie as it sounds, just be in the moment, you know, relaxing. Well, hell yeah, as hippie as it sounds as I'm sitting here, you know, token up and, like, they're cracking me the fuck up. It's just as good as watching, like, a comedy movie. You know? Exactly, yeah. So it's like, I've got my music going. I'm, like, making Spotify playlists and stuff. And I just don't have to be, like, tackling another TV series every second of uh, free time I have. Yeah. Um, is that okay if I go ahead with what I've been playing, Jordan? Uh, well, I was just going to say, on the subject of GOG... Um, <laughs> I can already tell it's going to be interesting watching that stuff, not being in the timeline, and, like, I'm not going to be watching also the games cast that come out every week, and also their love and sex stuff, random video or whatever. Like, I'm just going to be watching this. 
So it'll be really interesting, obviously, to see like how the Colin Moriarty Moriarty saga uh, plays out, and it's already tragic as fuck. Like watching him and Greg's friendship, and them talking about like being <laughs> like weird life mate lovers, and like not ever being able to leave each other, and now they've like <laughs> they broke up, is what it is. Like you can tell, like no, they they weren't just friends that stopped being friends. Like they were, in a way non-sexual lovers that broke up exactly it's weird we've been the tim saga man the tim saga is pretty interesting too throughout the gog episodes even the kevin saga of pimping off screen episode like 16 17 tim gettys skinny as fuck and i was like i forgot about that well no i I think it looks better as like uh, uh, i don't know he he looked a little weird when he was skinnier yeah it's one of those things where as a fat person you want to just reach out watching someone get fat and be like stop 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 man that guy can down some LaCroix impressive because those things taste like anus water I hate LaCroix it's like zero calorie though so yeah but it tastes like something else tastes like somebody stepped in mud it's gross someone stepped in mud oh it's also funny listening to them be like mention Kevin Coelho like it's so funny seeing the 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 bricks of lore being built, and it's great, man. It's, it's a kick. Um, transition. Uh, in terms of what I've been Seg- playing. Segway. Segway. Who uh, needs a segway? Just say the word transition. Transition. Star wipe. Um, <laughs> so I did play some Kingdom Hearts. I didn't actually get a whole lot in. I'm probably... I'm assuming the Tangled World is like, what, like two hours or something? give or take probably that's early yeah. yeah each world is like if you mainline it each world is about two hours yeah so i'm i i played so remember last time i left off not playing i had just gone to to the world i played it for about like an hour ish so i'm like halfway Kingdom through i assume um nothing else to report there i kind of don't want to really talk about the game until i finish it and give my you've already talked about that game so much um Apex Legends, I technically completed the game, so I got all the achievements, got a 1,000 gamer score, so that's awesome. Um, I got a lot of the harder ones out earlier, which are like, have a full set of legendary gear, have this or have that, a fully kitted out weapon. Um, and the only one I was trying to get last was reach level 50, um, so just about getting there. Uh, didn't take too long. Had it was still enjoying the game, can't wait for the first season pass and the new character, who's rumored to be Octane. Um... Some of the other characters got data mined, and I'm really enjoying the variety of uh, personalities that they're going to be coming out with. All of their names obviously translate to the abilities they have, but I'm excited to see where it goes for the rest of the year. Currently, it's probably near the top, if not my game of the year. Obviously, I haven't played Metro Exodus yet, which I'm excited for. Um, I skipped Devil May Cry, which I'm still interested in playing later in the year if there's a good deal. RE2 I want to get to uh, during Halloween. Ooh, um, get to it. But yeah, as it sits, Apex is like my game of the year. Really solid, enjoying it. I was just excited that I got all the achievements done. Um, Trials Rising. Last week I talked about how I had entered the phase of like the hard levels, Jordan. And how yeah. I went from uh, the easy and medium levels, I can get golds pretty much in my first or second run through. Whereas when the hards, you kind of have to figure out your your uh, trail lines and figure out your optimal pathing for the levels and just getting used and figuring out like oh this is a trick I need to know this so I don't fault on it the next time right because a lot of the gold medals as you get to the harder levels are tied to lower time but also less faults Um, I finished the last set of hard levels it seems like I just need to get a couple of extra levels 
and this is part of the the grinding part that I wasn't a huge fan of in this game as opposed to Trials of Evolution is there's a, a little bit of a grindy aspect between the difficulty gaps and you basically have to go through the levels you played before and do certain contracts which isn't too bad um, especially if you're pretty decent at the game you can get the contracts done pretty quickly like get through this level on the pedal bike in X amount of time and you get like XP for it right so it's not too bad I should be coming up in the extreme levels um, there's always an achievement tied to getting a gold on the extreme level they're, they're called Inferno so in Trials Evolution is Inferno 4 this is Inferno 5 the game before that was Inferno 3 they're like the hardest levels in the Trials games um, and that is usually a couple of hour affair for me to get to a point where I can uh, you know comfortable with it they're very difficult um, like if either of you just picked up Trials today, right, and played through it and got to Inferno, I don't know if you guys would be able to beat that map. Fuck no. Absolutely not. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not trying to I've brag or anything, shit. but it's they're very difficult. But for yeah. me, I love it because, yeah, it's just I, I like uh, the challenge. Um, but I'm getting near the end of Trials Rising. eating, like, Original Cheetos. Jared's on like extra flaming hot right now. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So once I, I, I think for me because there's so many games coming out, Sekiro and everything, and I want to finish Kingdom Hearts before uh, it comes out. For me, I think my stopping point with Trials will be once I beat Inferno, I'm gonna call it quits on it, and then I might come back to once it later. The controller heats up enough to start burning my fingertips. <laughs> exactly, because it is a game I can come to uh, later in the year when there's a really cool. Uh, set of user created levels right that they've uh, Red Links themselves have uh, kind of put together and uh, made great playlists for and then the DLC and stuff so that's my stopping point on Trials and uh, I'll keep you informed on a weekly basis I should have Inferno done by next week but I don't know how many extreme levels there are so if there's like two sets of extreme level challenges then I might not be there by next week but we'll see um that's pretty much it. Nothing of note to watch uh, that I watched or read. Obviously, enjoying comics. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I might have dabbled with, but Apex, Trials, Kingdom Hearts. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. I still have the Devil May Cry demo downloaded, and I want to try it. I just haven't gotten to it either. Um, so that game has me like leaning in, like. What's going on over here, guys? What's what's this? What's the deal with this weird shit? The I thing is, I kind of like the look of it, but it's just it's just might be too weird for me. I don't know if I can jump into this right now. I don't. I don't, know. I don't think it's an either or with, with what I'm about to say. But Platinum Games are very different than From Games, and from what I've seen with previews and stuff, a lot of people are like, "Oh, if you don't really like Souls games, this might be it for you because it's a little bit more arcadey and faster paced." And for me personally, Platinum Games have never fully interested in me like i respect bayonetta i respect uh what was the sci-fi one they did with the like the the robot main Near. protagonist Near no Automata. that wasn't platinum it wasn't no i'm talking about the Sorry, one that was on heard? the one that was fast paced on pc what was it called it's like a one word name besides vanquish. the point vanquish there you go you gave me hold on props to me because you gave me <laughs> the smallest amount of detail possible. <laughs> yeah. I was like, White Robot, Sci-Fi, uh, Quick Paste. I, I couldn't remember the name of it. But they've just never that interested me. I didn't hear. I literally heard you say, 
It's the PC, it's like the fast-paced PC game, and it's one word. And I was, like, thinking in the realm of this whole <laughs> Platinum DMC thing. I'm like, he's talking about Vanquish. Yeah. And I rose to the occasion. Gosh. What but a guy. To, to my point, uh, Dom, I'm I'm worried that I might not like it if I get it, you know? So I just need to get to the demo and see how it feels and uh, figure out if it's for me. But I am interested because, though it is very different than Souls games, it just looks cool and fun, you know what I mean? Yeah. And very cheesy in a good way. So, and I, I mean, I, I, I love the whole. Oh, by man. the way, I'm very wrong. Yes, Platinum did develop near. I okay, oh, completely okay. wrong. Sanity back intact. All right. <laughs> yeah, I anyway, was <laughs> um, I, we like we both love the Souls games, obviously, but and I love them for exactly what they are, and yada yada yada. But you know. I just, I want to like have a change of pace every so often. Exactly. I, mean, I don't really. Yeah. There, there's you know having a nice change of pace, and then there's like jumping into entirely new crazy experiences that are just super unfamiliar to you. You know what I mean? There's degrees of that, but exactly. I'm always up for like changing a pace, even though I love like the methodical and you know difficult kind of in your face like make you feel like shit feeling of a Souls game. That's weird that I just said that, but um, it beats you up or whatever. Whereas from what I can gather in Devil May Cry is more like, you know, you are extremely powerful and uh, it's fun in that way kind of a thing. Like, I'd well, be, like that's a great change of pace to go to from a Dark Souls game, I think. And the, the learning curve, I think, is pretty difficult on Devil May Cry in terms of you wanted to get the S ranks and the double S ranks and the triple S ranks in terms of combat. Um, sure. It is very Japanesey to me in an off-putting way for my sensibilities in terms of, like, the story and the characters. Yeah, and, I think I feel the same. Yeah. From what I've seen. I am interested, though. If there's, like, a crazy deal in the year, I might end up picking it up. Um, yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Anyways, that's it for me for what I've been playing. Let's hop into the news. News, news, news. Um, is, first that, up, is that the thing? Can we do that every time? News, news, news. News, news, news. Uh, the guys who developed Hyper Light Drifter, a phenomenal game that took off and people loved, uh, Heart Machine, they revealed their new game this week. Um, it's called Silver Ash Kingdom. Has a different art style than, than Hyperlight Drifter, but it still is beautiful. Um, the main character in the game looks to be a uh, rollerblading. Um, I don't know if it looked like a female to me, but who knows? And they were attacking a boss, so it's obviously going to involve boss battles uh, and like kinetic gameplay, it looks like. You guys both liked Hyperlight Drifter, right? You guys enjoyed it's it quite a, great a bit. It's a great game. Like, Does this, really good game. Did you see the reveal for this, Dom? Yes. It looked sweet, um, even though it, the art style is different, like you said. It's still a lot of like pinks and purples, um, so it's similar in that sense, but it doesn't have the same like super pixel kind of looking. I don't know how you describe it. This looks like a little more uh, pastel, maybe looking. Yeah, that'd be the right right. Uh, I don't know descriptor. Um, you gotta just kind of see it if you're curious. Obviously, go and watch and see it for yourself. I think but. the cool thing too. I don't know if this is there was on purpose, but. Hyper Light Drifter Solar Ash Kingdom. I wonder if that's going to be their theme as like a development studio. Is like these, these three word titles for their games with a similar um, kind of rhythm. That, Jared, <clears throat> I've been listening to uh, Sound Garden. Uh, oh. Chris Cornell's oh, Black man. Hole Sun. Won't you come? Oh, yeah. So yeah. they have uh, their album names are like that, like uh, Super un- Super Unknown and like. Dark Infinite, something like that. Joe Dirt but soundtrack. Joe Dirt soundtrack. It's just a dumb joke. Go ahead. Anyways, they're like they're like these uh, 
almost like super words, these like combined words that sound really cool, like super unknown, stuff like that. So I think Hyperlight Drifter is like a really cool name. Solar Ash Kingdom, I think, is a little like mouthy, but um, still interesting. It's there was another announcement that um, uh, Yacht Club Games, the developers of uh, Shovel Knight. They announced a new game, but it's not their game they're making because they're also a publisher. People end up forgetting that. And that looked interesting too, but it didn't have as much uh, information as this. And like Hyperlight Drifter is like the newest thing. Shovel Knight's been out for a while now, so it's cool to see Heart Machine starting to tackle this next game. Um, they announced and they said they're going to start, uh, they're still hiring for it, so don't expect this game anytime soon. But the announcement was really cool. Next up, speaking of announcements and games that are probably a little bit of a ways off. Uh, Turtle Rock Studios, who, if you're not familiar, developed uh, Left 4 Dead uh, as well as Evolve, which was a pretty solid game. People like to give it crap. It was a it was a really well developed game. It just was probably a poor genre choice um, for the current market. And the asymmetric multiplayer never really took off. The four v one type multiplayer was everyone thought was hot for a minute. Obviously, ended up tanking uh, Fable and Lionhead uh, as well as uh, Evolve. But they announced their new game. It's going to be called Back for Blood. It's described as a next-gen co-op FPS. It's going to be published by Warner Brothers Interactive, which is interesting, and we'll get to that. Um, and they went on to say it's designed from the ground up as an original premium title, which I also want to get to. And Mary is the best of what made the co-op zombie shooter so successful with new features and state-of-the-art technology. So the first couple of things I want to get to. One, Warner Brothers Interactive. Since they're publishing it, there's hopes that this could be a licensed game, right? It could use one of the many Warner Brothers licenses. And the premium title. There's a discussion going on with, as much as people love Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, can a game like that come out in 2019, 2020, 2021, and charge $60? Or is it a game that, given the Battle Royales, the free-to-plays, does it have to come out as free-to-play or at a lower price point? What do you guys think about that? I hadn't thought about that because, yeah, when you look back, Left 4 Dead, those are kind of pretty small games. It's, I, it's all about replayability. Yeah, it's not about... Yeah. Yeah. There's only a couple of short campaigns, but it's kind of like, yeah, you just you run through them and <clears throat> you got your buddies or whatever. A lot of mad zombie killing, but that's a good... I hadn't thought about this. I was just pretty excited for another Left 4 Dead game, but I guess you're right. I could see this being a $20 type of deal or a $30, probably 30 um, if it's the same size as the Left 4 Dead, but how do we? I mean, they, it could be bigger in scope too. I guess um, exactly. I, they have so. a good publisher behind it too that might be giving him a decent amount of funding. Um, I mean, they could also make it like you said cheaper and then offset the sixty dollars price point with cosmetics, right? Mm -hmm. Skins for your guns, uh, outfits for your characters. Um, Jordan, in their description, they said. As an original premium title, what does that mean to you? The fact that they added premium in there. What do you think they want you to know because of that? Triple A. That's their th way of saying triple A. So you have you think it has nothing to do with price point at all? It's just this is a triple A game. Well, I do think it's it's saying it's a sixty dollar game. Okay. Yeah, I didn't catch that part. Yeah, to me that's like that. That's them saying yeah, this is this is as good as you know this is the quality and density of a of every other sixty dollar game out there and that's what they're so, expecting to get with the with the, a solely multiplayer game like the left 4 dead games were um obviously you can play by yourself but it was known for being multiplayer it didn't have like a single player campaign do you guys think if it comes out for 60 dollars is there a way that it can be successful 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. it's going to have to, like I was saying, like, it's got to have the scope of, you know, they got to back it up, right? Um, yeah, definitely. And Left 4 Dead games, are they're awesome, dude. So Really fun. <clears throat> and like you said, I didn't even, I never got into Evolve. I never even tried it. But, like, I think there was a good, that was a well-developed game. I didn't have, like, you know, a bunch of problems. It just uh, didn't catch on, right? Um, maybe yeah. some, like, design, you know, not design, but kind of, like, or yeah, design like that it just design. wasn't uh, the, the, the kind so of thing to hit. As somebody who bought it at launch, it was a very well developed game. Uh, had no bugs really. It ran really well. It was beautiful. The problem was is that because it wasn't like Left 4 Dead, where any any of us can jump into a Left 4 Dead game and know that right trigger shoot, pick up different guns, they shoot differently, but that's pretty much it, right? With the evolve, yeah. it was like you pick the specific character, they do a certain like a specific thing. It was before, like, hero shooters like Overwatch or even Apex, to some extent, had taken off and people understand that. So you were getting people in a game and it wasn't really fun because people were just trying to play it like any other shooter. They weren't sticking to their role. Oh, I'm the healer. I need to make sure I heal these people. And it was a game developed that was dependent on you having teamwork. You could, There was no way you could heal yourself. The healer had to heal you. So if you had somebody that was a monster and they were playing a team that wasn't cohesive and cooperative with one another, the monster would just win. Um, so, to your point, yeah, it was well developed. There was some weird design choices. I don't know if they're bad, but I do think maybe they weren't appropriate for the market that it released in. Yeah. So timed properly. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole Xbox thing of like we're getting to a point where we're talking about an all streaming console, discless consoles. That was part of the messaging with Xbox in 2013, and it backfired on them. Part of having a message that people will get behind is knowing when to talk about that message and not doing it too early so i don't know it's i do have faith in the studio i do do think turtle rock studios is a is a good developer i do think that they have wanted to probably work on left for dead again and obviously valve isn't doing anything with any of their games really um so i think this is a good spiritual successor i'm just worried i'm not worried that this game will be at least good i'm worried about the price point and how you know the consumers approach it and like oh it's a only multiplayer game and it's sixty dollars and you know i don't know that's all the stuff that worries me not necessarily the quality of the game so we'll see and to my point uh about the warner brothers interactive licenses if this was like an alien license game if they were to make a a really cool left 4 dead style game but with like the aliens franchise that would be pretty cool um because there's a lot of uh, lore there right and uh mm. Alien Isolation was a good game. It didn't review, like, great, but it reviewed well. And with the recent uh, couple of movies for the Alien franchise not doing so well and living up with critical acclaim, sure. it could use another win. So, Dude, oh, if anybody needs a win, it's the fucking Xenomorph. Because, the I mean, just think about it, guys. The fact that the Xenomorph in 2019 isn't the motherfucking shit like it's probably the coolest sci-fi monster of all time that will ever be created like it's fucked up that we don't have good xenomorph games you know it's fucked up that we don't have like cool colonial marines games like what the fuck imagine seeing like imagine playing a game where there's like hundreds of like baby xenomorphs like running at you how terrifying that would be yeah like chestbursters and <laughs> yeah. beluga morphs there's all cool Dude, that universe is so fucking cool when they're, excuse me, actually doing it right and not just, you know, dragging it through the dirt. 
And does Warner Brothers have a, a Predator, or is that Legendary or somebody else? I think uh, Fox has both Pre- Alien and Predator. Okay, so it's not Warner Brothers then, so I'm completely wrong. Yeah, yeah so never mind on that. Um, <laughs> what does Warner Brothers own? Obviously they own DC, they have Mortal Kombat, they have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm trying to think of like a franchise that could like- work with... Like this. They have like Harry Potter or something. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any horror franchises. Do they have any? I mean, they do, but I'm thinking of like any popular one. Let me doing some mm, research real yeah, quick and see. It's tough to think of all like the franchises. That so are connected to uh, they have Meg, <laughs> so they can do uh, Shark Left for Dead. No, um, dude, that's the thing is like these concepts get fucked up, but like. Uh, Fuck, what are they called? What's the shark in the Meg? It's a giant shark. The uh... Megalodon. Megalodon, yeah, duh. It's in the fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you imagine like how cool Megalodons could be as a concept in a movie or a game if it wasn't stupid bullshit? That's yeah. awesome. It's I mean... a real thing. It's a whale-sized shark that really existed. So, the, the cool thing is, Warner Brothers does have, like, Godzilla and King Kong and all of those monster dudes, so if there if this game was, like, a weird hybrid of Evolve and Left 4 Dead and the monsters were, like, Godzilla or King Kong, that'd be pretty interesting. Who knows? I was completely off base. For some reason, I thought Alien was owned by Warner Brothers. It's my apologies. Uh, the the dream that never was. We're not getting it after all. Um, yeah, speaking that answers your question. Shit. Exactly. Uh, speaking of things we might be getting... Uh, Gearbox Software teased a couple of games um, for PAX East, which is coming up on March 28th. It's uh, after GDC. Uh, they teased Borderlands 3, it seems like. It's there's a, it's an image that says March 28th, Boston, Massachusetts, in the Borderlands art style. Uh, we've been assuming this was going to happen for a while now. There's a conversation of, like, is Borderlands 3 a games a service? What is it going to be exactly? Are they going to, like, remove themselves from Randy Pitchford with everything that's going on there? Are, what does a Borderlands 3 announcement do for you guys? Because I've never been interested. I've played the franchise, but it just doesn't do anything for me. I'm wondering if, it, if the announcement means anything to you guys or how you think it'll go over in general if you're not really excited at all. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I know a lot of people love Borderlands 1 and 2, but I don't know. The vibe, I'm kind of, like just kind of reeling on right now is like i don't know that this is just going to be as big as those were i feel like like the time for borderlands kind of came and went i don't know that's just a completely you know superficial kind of i don't know i no, i, I don't do think it's superficial that's a that's a valid argument there are is things that happen in pop culture that are a part of that time and as time goes on they kind of feel outdated <laughs> right and campy or not appropriate um sure mm. so i guess I guess, though, what I'm saying, obviously, I've not seen the game yet. So, like, it would have, I think it would have to do a lot of new and cool, crazy stuff, you know, to kind of, like, be like, oh, yeah, this is Borderlands 3 in 2019, right? Like, you know, something to kind of put it, because it's, it's really got to compete, ultimately, with, with, like, Destiny and Anthem, and uh, probably less so the Division, I think. I, mean, I don't know. I don't really know what it competes with everything, I guess, but just the, the hey. looting kind of thing. Someone's Dom, wearing a, a Borderlands 2 shirt right now. Dom, what number is that? <laughs> two? 
That's a that's a two, yeah. So I got this shirt when I was working at GameStop when I graduated high school. Where <laughs> the fuck have you been, Gearbox? This is Square Enix levels of bad. <clears throat> this yeah. is something that could sink a company and might have already done so. We don't know. But the problem is, you wasted time. Speaking of alien games... You just had to get Colonial Marines out there, you know. Battleborn. You had to get Duke Nukem Forever out there. No, I'm not even talking about like an actual fucking game. I'm talking about like three shitting the out these projects that they've yeah. been limping through for years and years. Like, there's just so many dumbass gearbox decisions, and then you hear about the controversy and whether it's true or not. It doesn't surprise me to hear fucked up controversy coming out of a clusterfuck of a situation. So, um, it's very unfortunate. It's funny that this uh, we're having this conversation because I had friends over earlier today that were talking about, uh, like, mentioned my shirt, and then we were just, yeah, having the conversation about, like, why the fuck aren't we playing Borderlands 3 already? You know, where the fuck has it been? And how, like, the pre-sequel definitely doesn't help the uh, brand. And how... Um, yeah, it's been too long. I mean, one of these buddies that was over here is a dude that still has his 360 plugged in playing Borderlands 2, you know, whenever his buds come over. So it's like, it's crazy how faithful the fans are, and they've just been dumped on. Totally, totally ignored in so many ways. Well, go ahead, Don. I think there's actually one thing that would really help Borderlands 3. And that, my friends, is if it, if it comes out day and date also on the Switch. I don't think that's impossible. It is kind of a simpler art style. I mean, and the devs over there. The devs over there like, just, fuck you, man. It's way hard. But um. <laughs> Something along the same line. I don't know about Switch because they've they tried to port Borderlands 2 or to Vita and it was a mess. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. What if... It's a PS5 <laughs> launch game or an Xbox 2 launch game. But to your point, can they wait that long? Yeah. Uh, they've waited um, this long? And, can they you know, wait, not wait another year? Here's the thing <laughs> that has me interested in, A, are they worried about how good Borderlands 3 will be? And B, are they in a situation where they need to have a lot of income come in because they are falling That's behind? True. You do make a good point. Like, we could wait another year. We're going to have good games to play in between now and then. But can Gearbox hold out for that long with all the shit that they've had going on and yeah and who's to say how confident they are in borderlands 3 because the next news story they teased a second game they're revealing at at pax east and it was an image of a robot on a dissection table and to me if you're announcing two games it kind of takes the wind away from borderlands 3 like if you're wholly confident in this game you'd want it to be your showpiece you don't want you don't want people talking about two Gearbox games at PAX East. You want them talking about the Gearbox game at PAX East, you now, know? remember the initial mention of Borderlands, Jared. This was probably two-ish years ago, I think, at PAX South in Texas, and I think in San Antonio, and um, it's just like a clip of a Borderlands character standing in a Borderlands environment about as early as you could possibly get and it was them saying yeah i guess we're gonna start working on borderlands 3 now um we're hiring if anybody wants to help us apply now and that was it yeah 
And we're, we haven't even, obviously, we've talked about before with Randy Pitchford and the financial situation of there being mismanaged money and who knows what happened there. It worries me that they're announcing two games at the same time because that having that second game there feels to me like a security blanket or a safety net of like, hey, Borderlands 3 is coming out. It might not sell as much as we expect because Borderlands has been. Heights. Exactly. Borderlands has been their franchise that is their moneymaker. And if Borderlands 3 yeah. doesn't sell as well as they expected to, they need to have a backup plan as well. So who knows? Right. Well, obviously, as PAX East marches closer, we'll probably get more information. And when they do the final reveal, we'll talk about Borderlands 3 and how excited or not excited we are if it did anything for us. Who knows? Next. Speaking of an announcement that's coming soon, sooner actually than PAX East, GDC is happening next week. Uh, by the time we record next week's show, we'll know more about uh, Google's keynote that they're holding. Everybody assumes they're going to be talking about their streaming and it's possibly... Be nuts, dude. Exactly. Whatever they I'm, plan to do. This is a big deal. To that point, there was some information that came out this week. Jade Raymond, co-creator of Assassin's Creed, she left Motive Studios earlier this year, left EA, and you're like, man, I wonder where she's going. She's like, been in the industry for a long time. She's been very influential, arguably one of the most influential females in the gaming industry in the modern age, outside of like Amy Hennig and a, like Kiki Wolfkill and a couple of other people. Um, <laughs> she is now the vice president at Google. Obviously, that doesn't mean main Google, right? Uh, Google Incorporated. Um, I we assume that it's going to be vice president at Google Gaming or whatever that division ends up being called, but she is a vice president at Google, and uh, I think obviously it's probably directly related to what we're going to hear at GDC. Um, the fact that she's a vice president, I want to talk to you guys about that. Do you think that they brought her in because she has a lot of experience? Do you think she's going to be kind of like handling partially like portfolio, or do you think because she has so much experience with new IP? Why do you think they appointed her to this vice president position in general? Obviously, there's a lot of stuff under the surface, but generally speaking. That's a good question. My first thought is like, yeah, it's like kind of like a portfolio kind of thing of, or, you know, like managing relationships. Like, you know, she's going to make sure like we got, you know, Ubisoft and EA or whatever, you know, we're working well with them so we can bring all these other companies' games to this Google platform, whatever that ends up being. But like part of me now kind of wonders like, is Google gonna like publish their own games too, or like, or, uh, or are, you know what I mean? Are they gonna have their own development studios potentially Exclusives, too? Exclusives, yeah. Right? Is that a pot? I hadn't really considered that. I just, just had always been assuming thus far that like they're just gonna work with the other publishers and like stream games, and that'll be the end of it. But this, you know, there was this move, and then uh, there were some other people, some other well-known like industry gaming industry people that were like uh, that are not working at Google too. So I'm kind of like. To me, like, there's a good sign for them. This is, in one way or another, I feel like this is a good move for them. Um, getting people, you know, that are familiar with this industry instead of trying to jump in on their own and like build an Ouya or whatever. Um, Can you imagine, like, if Google wants some specific talent, there's virtually no situation I can imagine where they won't get what they want. Exactly, and the company <laughs> is so large and is so profitable, has so much money that. So we've talked about Microsoft can ditch the console marketing and stop ma doing the video game thing and they'll be completely fine, right? Because it's a, a small pie, a piece of the pie for Microsoft. Um, Google can do the same thing. Google can try this gaming thing and it can be a failure. And overall, they won't really be super affected. 
if PlayStation tries something super risky and fails, it could really detriment Sony as a whole because PlayStation is responsible for a large amount of Sony's income. Obviously, same thing with Nintendo. We saw that like if this if the Switch wasn't successful, who knows where they'd be? Would they be a third party publisher? They have the capital and the the safety net to not worry about taking a risk like that, Dom. So that's why I, I do think there's a possibility that they could be a publisher of exclusive games. And even then, what if it's a deal where like they they publish games that aren't exclusive to their platform, but they come first there, you know? Or it's the right, only place yeah. you can get it digitally. Or it's the only place you can stream it. Who knows? Sure. It, they are the, the one of the few companies entering, you know, who could enter into the gaming industry and totally uh, be able to do it without, you know, struggling to to make it work because it's very difficult if you're a console manufacturer, if you're a gigantic publisher in the gaming industry. Uh, it's certainly something that you can make a lot of money off of, but it is also uh, it's a high risk, high reward. Uh, sort of deal well, sort of business think about from advertising man they everyone practically uses Google uh, advertisements on the internet for the most part right their program they own YouTube they yeah, can have pre-rolls in front like, of every YouTube video for their stuff you know well, but just think about everyone's gonna be I mean yeah obviously Twitch is a thing but everyone's gonna be putting up gameplay footage you know let's say Google had their own uh console just for the sake of argument and uh yeah people are just putting up gameplay obviously they'll have it integrated you know you can just upload it straight to your youtube channel your little let's play and uh, there could be a lot of cool integration there with it being a proprietary google console if you will and the other conversation we haven't had is people think it might be a console might be a google chrome stick what if they're they're their software that they use for this is just Chrome. I mean, we played on Chrome, Dom. Like, who's to say that they're not even worrying right. about a console or worrying about, uh, a, a, you know, some kind of actual piece of hardware? Um, it's Well, it's, I think it, the Chrome stick has to be there just because, yeah, Chrome is still the answer, but it's Chrome running on the stick, right? That's your entry into, you know, people's TVs, right? Because your Chrome tabs currently are only on your laptops and your phones. So the Chrome so stick let's is say it, but that, that to me that Chromecast is their specific thing, right? Yeah. 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 What if from now on it's not even like, oh, we're doing a gaming console, it's just the new Chromecast 4.0 or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, that's is, what I picture. You know, a gaming exactly. machine. Yeah. Like I I'm betting more towards there not being any new piece of hardware that it'll be something that they have that that they evolve like you said with the with the Chromecast. Um it's going to be interesting, man. By this time next week, we'll know what they did at the keynote. So keep your fingers crossed. It's very interesting. Um, who knows what it's going to be. Um, we recently had, as of this week, the Inside Xbox for the month of March. This is obviously their monthly show where sometimes it's just updates to ongoing games like Sea of Thieves and State of Decay. Other times it's, uh, you know, exclusive interviews or information about upcoming third-party titles coming out on Xbox or first-party titles. Um, and then also sometimes they have hardware announcements or other things they want to talk about with Game Pass or anything else going on on the family of consoles, as they call them. We had two pretty big things happen uh, for Inside Xbox. One, 
Halo Master Chief Collection is finally coming to PC, um, which is huge. People have been wanting Halo on PC forever. Um, and they also announced that Halo Reach is getting added to the Master Chief Collection. The multiplayer will be free, so anybody who owns it, you're getting that as a free um, download or addition for you on Xbox. Um, and anybody who wants to play the single player, it's uh, paid DLC. Now, in terms of the PC games, Reach is also going to be the first of the Halo games coming to PC. They're going to be releasing them as they become available and finished for PC. They're not all done currently. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really cool to see people playing. I think this is huge. Um, there's a story we didn't talk about, about uh, Ninja being paid to play Apex Legends. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the same and other influencers get the same kind of deal when Reach comes to PC to give a whole new generation of kids the idea of playing Halo and that kind of tees them up for Infinite, um, which we'll get into a little later. It's our topic of the show. What do you guys think about Master Chief Collection coming to PC? Obviously, it's been a while and it should have happened sooner, but the fact that it's finally happening and Jordan, to your point when we were talking about this before the show, now all of the Halo games are in one collection. That's pretty awesome. Yep, every Halo game, just like we got with uh, Kingdom Hearts over on PlayStation now on the uh, Microsoft platforms, you can play through their um, most legendary franchise, if you will. And um, yeah, I really like that. I think it was cool when they put out, I guess ODST was like a free thing, kind of an apology for issues with the Master Chief Collection. Yeah, it didn't launch in a very good state. And they've actually, the, the launch of the game was terrible. And, I, you know, they don't get any passes for that. But they've been committed to fixing it. And also, it's not a, it wasn't an easy task, right? There's a lot of games trying to get them all to work, have working multiplayer. We've seen yeah. that Nintendo for the longest time couldn't get a single release of one single game doing it right. I'm not giving a full pass, obviously, but they have worked very hard to get it in a place where people are happy with it. And, you know, sometimes people don't stay committed to that. And they could just be like, oh, whatever, deal with it, you already bought it. So I do want to give them props there that they, they worked on fixing it. They just did the 4K patch, right? Yeah. Which is so, also huge. Which probably yeah, coincides with PC, entire, right? The entire Halo collect Like, okay, you. I know you're not, like, fucking ape shit over Halo, Jared, but for me, having the entire Kingdom Hearts series at 4K60 on PS4 with the uh, various collections, and I can just... I, I love that. I can just imagine that as an Xbox fan, having that whole package available to you is really cool. Man, just being Which, able I mean, to load it up it. and have all of them I'm acting like <laughs> yeah. some far off dream. Having them all at your at your fingertips and being able to decide what you want to play, it's just really cool. And, you know, we don't really talk about it too much, but like the preservation of games, this is a way to bring them forward and make sure they stay the same way they are. Obviously with the remake yeah. of Halo, uh, Combat Evolved, you can switch back and forth between the old and the new so you get, still get a feel what it was like when it originally released so really awesome um is there anything you want to add dom to this or no this is cool um, oh. the 4k patch no i just gotta be the debbie downer of the group it, you're right it is huge in fact it's huge in terms of gigabytes as well and it can't fit on my damn xbox and it keeps on trying to update the game and it's driving me nuts <laughs> like jordan singing in the background as they're talking it's like fitting um, it's just, it's such a dumb problem, but it's like a problem I actually have right now. <laughs> yeah. I need to figure out if I can just say no to it permanently. 
because it's killing me. Obviously, I don't want that patch. I don't need it. I only have like the one S, so I can't use it. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm gonna have the same thing. It's because I want to like patch in the Reach multiplayer, and I'm not gonna be able to fit that. <laughs> like, God, hey man, it's just Shout a silly out to thing. Old Marty and those Halo soundtracks. Am I right? Yeah, I love this that. This is cool though. It's this is like it's about time. I mean, obviously these things take a while, and I, it kind of made me feel for them when uh, part of the release was like, yeah, this is. Both of these things, having adding reach to MCC and then having the MCC on PC, like they said that you know these have been long requested items, and so in the meantime, like everyone else is just bitching and bitching and bitching, like where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Why don't we have this? Why isn't this on PC? You have every other game on PC. Let's you know first party. Like what the hell, Microsoft? And it's like, yeah, for years in the background they've been working on it. So like, it's kind of like I can feel the relief from their side of like finally this dev team can be like yeah. We've been, we heard you. We've been exactly. doing it. You know, well, what I mean? and that must have been frustrating to have to wait so long to announce it. And they also understand the expectations of this uh, this type of announcement and what players expect. And they probably also assume that there's going to be a large player base when these things launch. Like the PC mm-hmm. audience have been waiting so long. And I know, you know, with Halo Five, the the series isn't at its apex anymore. Um, and maybe it'll return there with Infinite, which we'll talk about a little later. But people still love Halo, you know, as a series. People still want to go back and play Halo 2 oh, yeah. and Halo 3, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's finally happening. Really awesome games, dude. Yeah. Oh, the other thing, just like, I don't know if you, sorry, you must have like mentioned Sorry, just like with it. the Alien franchise, I think Jesus. that um, it's one of those sci-fi series where, obviously, there's been good games coming out, at least solid games coming out forever, but it's like with the, the random TV series, and there's animated stuff, and... Um, all that it's like I really want to see cool Halo sci-fi shit you know movies games etc so just with just as with Alien it's like damn let's get this on the right track let's not have any more Master Chief collection issues and uh, cancelled TV series let's get Infinite out there and like hopefully that's hopefully Halo's in a better spot moving into this next generation yeah Dumb. You know, Guardians, people were kind of annoyed with, so yeah. So uh, you probably mentioned it uh, at least briefly, but I think the other thing worth pointing out about this is it's coming to PC. It's not only coming to PC, but it's coming to Steam, which is, I think that's kind of a big part of the story, is that, uh, you know, every other Microsoft first-party game has been, you know, exclusive to the Windows Store on PC. But you also have to have Xbox Live as well. Sure. So you still got to, like, kind of log in through that, but you can, you know buy it through steam still i think that's a big deal um not like for me personally but it's kind of like a oh shit and then they're doing steam too i'm sure a lot of people are pumped about that and it was that's probably the difference for a lot of people that that was you know hardcore pc people um, yeah but i mean halo is a franchise that i think they would be willing to deal with the microsoft store to get halo you know what i mean but it does make it easier on steam i agree i think i think about this and i think that the industry is clearly moving in this direction I feel like, I've, you know, I've talked about watching Mad Men recently, and in that they have these certain businesses that are racist and not willing to sell to certain people, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, if you're in the business of making money, there should be no one that you're not willing to sell your product to. You know what I mean? There is no reason that you should say, oh, you're a Steam guy as opposed to a Windows Store guy or an EA Origin, whatever the fuck guy. It's like, 
if you want to buy the game, you should be able. This is a like people don't want to hear this, but this is a big thing with piracy where it's like, well, I'm in Australia and I can't buy the fucking game, so I would love to give you my money, but I can't, so I'm gonna torrent it and play it on PC. Shit like that. It's like there's so many situations, not just in games, where uh, I think. Um, sellers of products limit themselves in entertainment uh, because they want something to be exclusive or there's uh, this distribution bullshit that gets in the way and and I just believe that you're shooting yourself in the foot and there's plenty of examples of like that in uh, the gaming industry and I think stuff like the Epic Game Store and um, hopefully more situations like this where they're kind of just opening it up and um, making it more platform agnostic on PC specifically. Yeah. Uh, I think is is a good way the, to be. The only counter argument to that is like indie indie studios who maybe don't have the marketing or advertising money to compete and get lost in the storefronts. You know what I mean? And if you get a deal to be exclusive on a platform, that might be 50% of the total income you make on that game period that you wouldn't have made otherwise. So I do think oh, they're... that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, we're talking totally about, like, the fine. big boys and stuff. And, especially yeah. especially if that's, like, a timed exclusive. Um, another big thing is kind of like the whole DRM, you know? If you're doing DRM free, but you make... You're, like, making me go to a certain store, but it's DRM free, I can live with that, right? Because... Like GOG, yeah. I don't have to, wor- I don't have to worry about it afterwards. But, yeah, when it's, like, I know... I'm not even a PC guy. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here where it's like having to go through a certain launcher and run this app in the background while the game's playing because it's locked into that store system or whatever. That can be obnoxious. And it's just, it's unnecessary from a so uh, the, consumer perspective. I, the other part of that, Jordan, is like, um, what is the, I can't remember, it's something really high, the percentage of a sale that steam takes from its from its games right so yeah that would that's the motivation for microsoft or other or ubisoft or ea to keep to only sell games on their own you know launchers and not steam because steam wants like i think 30 percent of that sale right right? Right. so that's kind of the that's the motivation and so like they'll they'll be more willing to open it up if steam didn't want such a big chunk of the and, pie right there. and emerging other storefronts can have them drop their percentage they take so then in actuality then Steam's taking less money so then more games can be put on there because they're happier with the return on the sales. It's a big old thing. It's, I, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. Really interesting because you could only see this situation occurring with these sorts of marketplaces in the circumstances we have with PC because if you are on a console that is proprietary hardware from Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft, right? And so the storefront that you're able to access to have digital games on your console is proprietary Nintendo, Sony, or Microsoft. Yeah. And in the case of PC, you know, um, there's not like an EA PC, right? You know, EA is not manufacturing a PC, and so, well, technically, they have yeah. to like Origin does actually, but yeah. <laughs> they, no, but wait, he's saying so there's he's not bored? EA doesn't make a PC. Microsoft does, yeah. but that's different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, but I'm saying like for EA, they're trying to like goad you into uh, their storefront because they don't already have you locked in. And Microsoft makes PCs, but 
Microsoft would probably be the first people to tell you, like, yeah, we're not, we're not trying to say that everybody has to be on a Microsoft PC. But yeah, they, they are trying to say like everybody needs to be on the Microsoft. They store. they don't care if you buy Halo on the 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 Microsoft Store. They want you to buy a Microsoft Office on the Microsoft Store. For being right. real, you know right. what I mean. Right. Um, so, it's the platform agnosticism that comes along with the PC situation that is uh, makes that whole marketplace situation interesting. A lot of fluctuation going on there right now. Speaking of Microsoft, uh, during this Inside Xbox as well, they talked about Project X Cloud. Obviously, their streaming service we've talked about. It's been rumored that one of the next consoles for the next generation is going to be a streaming console with Project X Cloud. That's powered by the Azure Cloud servers. Um, the demo was really cool. So they showed somebody playing. It was an Xbox One controller with an attachment with a phone on top, and they were playing Forza Horizon 4. The frame rate looked great. The game played well. It was super crisp. Um, you could have used touch controls because some of the trailers show touch controls, but who wants that? As we mentioned earlier, um, oh my goodness gracious! And because uh, it's an option, right? You can either put your controller or you can use touch controls, whatever you want. If you want that for some reason, um, interesting points to the whole presentation. Um, they stated and reiterated that they're still invested and focused on the console space. And I think they did that because they've heard people talk about, well, if they're only going streaming and, you know, if they're going to be putting Game Pass on these devices, why are they even making consoles in the first place? So they just wanted to clear the communication there. And the other thing is that they announced uh, public trials for xCloud will start this year, which makes sense because if that, what the rumors suggest are true, that the streaming console will be coming out fall of next year, a year of public trials and testing and alpha and beta testing is obviously what they're planning to do and will be smart. So um, if either of you managed to see this or just from what I've said about xCloud, what are you guys feeling about the service in general? This is what they call, Jared, Jordan, gentlemen, <clears throat> the future. This is it. Future, future, future. Getting the first glimpse. I'm going to do the Squidward like fucking people position. Okay, you want, to talk about, <laughs> you want to talk about the future? I did not see this presentation. And I know that Forza was <clears throat> not the uh, main attraction here, the main point of what they're talking about, but I just had a revelation. I've seen into my crystal ball, gentlemen. These Forza Horizon games, specifically, they they jump around the world like Australia, then like now they're in Britain, because that's where the studio that makes them is, right? Playing yeah. games. When are we getting that Forza in Italia? Oh, jeez. That's what you're right. worried about right now? <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. Think about think about Forza Horizon 5 in Italy. You're driving through these gorgeous little villages and towns and shit. And then, you know, it's kind of like a Mediterranean vibe across the whole map. Oh, my gosh. I'm predicting it right now. You think I'm crazy, Dom. <clears throat> Two years from now when you're like, oh, man, my Xbox 8. I'm having so much fun playing Forza Horizon 5, running through Italy. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm very interested to see how the public trials go. Um, you know, we use the Google streaming service, Dom, so we had first-hand account of, like, how good it worked. Uh, and I kind of want to see that with Microsoft. The presentation, the demo is great, but I just want to get my hands on it myself and see how it works. Um, I also want to know if one, that the, the adapter thing that they used to put on the top of the controller and put their phone in, I would almost guarantee that they're probably going to have a branded one for themselves, right, that they sell? Um, yeah, was probably. that not 
Did you not see a big old logo on there? It. I didn't see it, so I don't know if it was third party or their own. But uh, yeah. they didn't make I mean, a point of it get, either. They sell that kind of shit at like Walgreens and shit. So I mean, they'll yeah, be but I want an Xbox One. I want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to dinky. Uh, if it's Walgreens gonna cost one. forty bucks instead gonna, of here's here's what it's gonna happen. But it'll last more have than a week. Custom ones made by Italian car companies. Oh, Jesus, when they do the Forza game in Italy. I don't know why this is so <laughs> far fetched, guys. I think it's gonna be great. I really do. Um, I, I'm sure it will be. This sounds like a great game. Like, yeah, like Forza Horizon Italy. Like, all good. And Ferrari, sure. Let's go. But that's, we're talking about streaming. <laughs> but would you do that? Would you do that? That would is you, an like, interesting. Wear like a Ferrari Lamborghini skin on your controller adapter into your phone while you're playing Forza Horizon 5. Oh, I'm and relating it, it, it comes to with the a glove. conversation at least. <laughs> yeah, it comes with like a Ferrari glove, like a driving. That's glove, what too. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's kind of like your Wii wheel back in the day with Mario Kart Wii, except now it's got like a Lamborghini logo I, on there because you're, you're I want, actually driving through the streets of Italia. I want Forza to eat the cruise lunch, and I want like Forza cruise in USA. You know. That'd be dope. Let me, Dude, I want let me, I want Forza to go back to the homeland is what I'm trying to get at here. I want Forza to, to come to to back to my homeland is what I want. Um, let me geez. let me end this with this, Jared. Let me like ten years ago, maybe even less than that, if you had asked me or nearly anybody who didn't live in like Silicon Valley or something, if you'd have asked like, Oh, you know, like do you like do you, would you ever want to like stream movies and T V shows instead of buying DVDs? Or VHSs or not VHSs, ten years isn't that long. But you know, would you <laughs> yeah. ever want to just stream them and even just pay for a subscription instead of buying them individually? Like, what do you think of that? Like, who'd be like, no, that's not even possible, and it would look like crap. And why would I ever want to do that? That's ridiculous. That's what I I, I well, can tell you. That's what I said when that stuff was first coming out. I thought this is this is never gonna work. It's just it's never gonna look good. I'm never gonna want to do that. I like my DVDs, and now I don't ever buy hardly even Blu-rays or DVDs. I just rent movies and and like even Man. buy movies digitally and stuff like that along with 80 percent of you know the world now so it, it's gonna take some time I but i think don't get eventually we get there where, i hope we don't get to a point where we're so about streaming and i think we might already be at that point we're so about streaming that we stop caring about quality because it does take a big hit when you're not uh there's using a there's got to be a source yeah there's got to be a baseline media. threshold it has yeah. to be yeah um, so I mean, I even remember I hope that that kind of like it stays important. I even remember Dom like downloading my first game on my 360 was a big Dom like I'm downloading a video yeah. game. What weird, um, right? Yeah. Speaking of games, we'll possibly be able to download and even possibly play on XCloud in the future. Um, what is Halo Infinite? So this was an article over at Gamespot by Steve Watts, oh, and he chronicled this interview by Kiki Wolfkill at some weird conference, um, and she was talking about Halo Infinite. And she said, we have to be able to change content quickly. We can't afford to wait three years every time we drop a new product and we have it be a black box because the games kids are playing are changing every week. It's about having a set of rules that people can engage with and buy in for years to come. And I added to this, I said, in a world now dominated by the Fortnites and the Apex Legends, uh, it seems Halo Infinite is looking to pair their traditional campaign with a multiplayer experience that evolves and gives players rewarding reasons to check pack often into the world of Halo. Is this the right direction for the franchise? So obviously we talked about Halo. Mm. Halo 5 kind of was a, a miss for most people. We've talked about is it an open world game? Is it a games as service? What do you guys think about Halo Infinite in well, general? And like the direction that Kiki Wolfkill says they need to go in with this next entry. 
I would say, other than the fact that it's set in Italy, I think Forza Horizon 5. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, but for real, are we about to have a hub world with a bunch of custom Spartans running around? Maybe. That sounds cool. That sounds Here's the thing, too, is like I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're willing to uh, uh, experiment with this game because it's not called Halo 6, you know? And right. I think maybe they purposely did that. Oh, dude, I think that Halo 5 Guardians, which is supposed to be part two of the trilogy, like uh, 343's trilogy, right? The Forerunner Saga? Yeah. With Halo 4, Halo 5 Guardians, and then I think it was supposed to be either Halo 6 um, Lockdown or, <laughs> you know, just Halo Lockdown. You know, whatever, I don't know. The Return subtitle, of the Chief. But yeah. I think it was... I think it was supposed to be more of an end cap, a third game on that uh, Forerunner Saga trilogy. And now I think that they've totally revamped it into um, something more akin to these shared world shooters that we're getting so used to. And, you know, we talked about this before the show started, and maybe, Dom, you can you can give me your, your opinion on this. We haven't seen, like, a, a first-party make a games-of-service type game, right? And we haven't seen necessarily a first-party budget put in place with a game like this. If this was the case, and Halo Infinite was a games-of-service game, and not necessarily a, a copy or a clone of the Destinies or the Divisions, it's unique in its own ways, how do you feel about that, and do you think that... Microsoft would be willing to back that with huge financial stability. No, I think that's totally possible. That yeah, like you said, this is that's never really happened before. But this to me, if it were going to, this is like that. This is the opportunity, right? Yeah. Not only because, um, well, first of all, Halo Infinite. I think Infinite. Uh, I think you're kind of alluding to this is yeah. more than yeah. just uh, something about the game, like in the story. But it also is alluding to like this is a Halo that will kind of last as uh that person i can't remember her name kind of you know describe this is a halo that's kind of last kiki. kiki that awesome name yeah that's going to keep going it's not a number game it's not a step necessarily in a series it's kind of like a platform right um, but anyway yeah this i think this has the opportunity to be that first party game especially when you i mean all these rumors we're hearing about <clears throat> or like for, for one the way they've been treating play anywhere obviously safe to bet that infinite if they've not already said it it's going to be on pc um, and we don't know that it's not going to be like on Switch or on your, you know, uh, Chromecast streaming or your new like well they you know so Scarlet streaming stick or whatever Xbox else too. Cr- so Xbox crushed the rumor that Game Pass is coming to Switch anytime soon. Oh, okay. Right. They were they were asked about that rumor and they said we have no plans anywhere in the near future to bring Game Pass to the Nintendo Switch. So okay, yeah. So slight chink in what i was trying to say but still a little too excited about that yeah yeah i'm really excited but point being like as of late you know they've been expanding where their games are available it might not expand all the way to switch doesn't sound like it but um and then obviously xcloud is only going to expand you know their audience even more so even though this is a microsoft microsoft exclusive game it's on a lot of potentially on a lot of different platforms right so um that i think adds to the potential of it being you know, a, a live service type of game because they're going to have a they're going to have available a big, you know, market of players to to go for it. You know what I mean? So, you, so you're real I, quick before I forget this. Your little slip up when speaking made me think of a dumb joke. It's like, what does a Sony fanboy say when he sees the Xbox E3 conference? 
he has a microscope. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, Jordan, go ahead. As bad as my jokes have been this episode. Hey, man, I got to up the ante. Oof. Oof. I thought that was good. Um, yeah, I thought so, too. So, That's a gamer dad joke. <laughs> clearly you did. Uh, Jared, gamer so dad. So I do still want to know about the story, even though I haven't even played Halo 5. That's how much I care about the story. Um, although, I'll say, I I am into the Halo story. I think the Halo lore is pretty cool. And um, the Forerunner stuff is cool. I've read some of the books and all that. I would say that the way that people talked about how story was just totally whack and different from what we got sold um, for Halo 5 is probably what turned me off to that. But anyways... Uh, leading into Infinite, Jared, do you think that we're getting a continuation of the story? Or are they doing more of a reboot? Or kind of totally just different story in the Halo universe altogether? What? So, it's tough, man, because obviously we saw Master Chief in the teaser, so we know he's involved. This isn't like a new storyline outside of the, the Master Chief saga. But... Is this God of War PS4? Maybe. I mean, I do think that there's a high chance that we won't ever see anything again having to do with that, the Forerunner storyline, right? The the traditional Halo 6 we would have got. Um, They should probably finish that, right? Well, I'm saying maybe. Just from a fan perspective? Yeah, but maybe that's... Make it a comic. Maybe that's something where they do... Jesus Christ, they, They do it in a different medium, or maybe they... They finish the story, but in Halo Wars three, you know, maybe is making a comic so that Dom specifically can say, "Yeah, I'm not gonna read that." <laughs> oh shit! Um, like, have you read the Fall of Reach, Dom? <laughs> what do you think? Awesome, man? awesome fucking book. Not he, just an awesome Halo he, book. He doesn't like cartoons, and he doesn't like words on a page. <laughs> Oh, or pictures on a page, See I guess. My nose too. in the air. Yeah. See my nose um, in the air. Yeah, I, I, maybe they'll return to it with the next game, but I don't think we're getting any forerunner stuff in this game. I think this will be a separate story, uh, maybe between two other games, maybe just on their own. I think the whole point with Infinite and it being an open map, it may be, um, like a weird narrative decision to like chop up in between stories between the other games, so it's like a non-linear narrative or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. I do think we're going to have a, a it's just a, we're going to have a traditional the campaign. Are cool. Yeah, I agree. We're going to have a traditional campaign and I think whatever the games of service part is, I do think there'll be a co-op like storyline there, but I don't think that will mm. be the main campaign. It's going to be interesting. Uh they're they already confirmed it's going to be at E3 this year. Uh, we know Gears 5 is coming out this year, so it's obviously not coming out this year. Um, but I do think this will, this and the next Forza game will be the showpieces for the next Xbox. So I do think we'll see some pretty impressive stuff, and maybe we'll find out more about what the actual game is. Um, you know, for Halo, this could be beneficial because maybe not even doing like grimoire cards, but just like really diving into the uh, types of missions that you find in a shared world shooter. The lore of Halo is kind of already set up for that, right? I mean, that's kind of what Bungie did for Destiny was copy a lot of that stuff, it seems like. Yeah. Um, so They've established the world so much, and there's so much there that yeah. it's it's a, a franchise that's been around for a while. And that's another thing with Games of Service. Every Games of Service game we've seen come out has been establishing lore for a new franchise. 
Obviously, Division right. 2 and Destiny 2 followed up on the initial games, but they were all original IP games of service games. This will also be the first games of ser- AAA games of service game that is in a world that's already existed for X amount of years. Like, they already have all that stuff. They don't need to create necessarily too many things that are new in the right. lore. They just use the stuff that they've built up over the last 18 plus years. You know what I mean? Man, right. So they the last... are. They've got a, a vault, a treasure vault of stuff that they can have you do side missions and learn about, you know, exactly. stuff like that. What else I hadn't thought of until just now is if there was anything that was going to get people on game pass and keep them on game pass not, I, I assume they don't <laughs> i assume they don't have much of a problem with retending or retention on game pass subscribers i would bet that very few people you know start it and don't don't keep doing it yeah. but this would definitely keep them subscribed um if you know as a games as a service type thing like oh you just pay this game pass subscription cool. and you get probably all the main mainline dlc probably still some cosmetic stuff you can buy separately but cool. This would be huge for Game Pass, which they're they're all about, and it appears to be doing them like wonders. So like that's the other part of Jared this you, game being a service type game. What I was gonna say is speaking of another thing that Halo might be able to add to the games of service, is outside of the Ghosts and Destiny, we haven't had a games of service type game with like vehicular combat, you know, like uh, with the warhogs and the mongoose and the tanks and everything. Like we haven't had that in a games of service game. Good point. Very interesting. Destiny, yeah. the things are sparrows, right? Sparrows, ghosts are the little yeah, guys, the Nathan Fillions, yeah. Dude, I swear to God, I saw something. It, I don't know if it was another game or what, but I saw something where it was total plagiarism on the ghosts from Destiny. It was like almost exactly the same shape, little robot-looking thing. So I was like, "What in the fuck? <laughs> How do you get away with that?" Um, um, Jared, I was gonna ask, <clears throat> do you think that? Like, what's the percentage chance in your mind that this is like a Resident Evil 7 deal where we get a perspective change to third person? I don't think that'll... I don't think that'll happen. You know I want it. You know I want it. Yeah, but, man, third person isn't Halo. Who knows? Man, it could be new Halo. The internet would Here's just the thing. shred that game. Here's the thing. This is, this is new Halo. If you're, ta- if you're talking about campaign, I would say maybe a 5% chance... The multiplayer aspect five per chip. Whoa, five percent uh, chances. Multiplayer very, very low. Multiplayer negative five hundred. <laughs> okay, what if I pose the question saying that it is a swappable viewpoint between first and third? I in the think, hub world. In the hub world, that could be a thing because if you're if you're in a place with other players, you kind of want to see your own armor and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, but during no, I'm like saying, what if the gameplay you can click the stick or hit a directional pad button and you change perspective? I don't think no. so because even Bungie's talked about a lot of their technology is built around. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it with game dev. When you're in first person perspective, you can do this programming trick where it only loads the things in your cone of vision and everything behind you is unloaded. Sure. Um, sure. So I don't know if they want to upend that, especially with the new engine. Um, so well, you yeah. can do that in third person games too. Just whatever the camera is looking at is loaded. Yeah, but it's it's a bigger though because your cone is much sure, larger. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. Um, I don't think that's possible. I know you'd enjoy that, but I just think that's for for me. Somebody, I have an attachment to Halo. Um, I don't think that's Halo. Dude, it's just that Spartans look so cool. I agree, and yeah. I would like to be able to see my Spartan when I'm using him. In here's the thing, I just feel like at this point, because Reach and ODST are both first person shooters, right? So, 
I just feel like we should have had a third person Halo, not necessarily a mainline game. I just feel like at this point, like, how come we haven't had a third person Halo game? You do, it man. Feels it's like called Halo very... Wars. <laughs> well, no, that's you. I'm talking about a shooter, Dom. It feels like they're very keen on keeping Gears, the fir- uh, third person game, third person shooter in their franchise stable, and Halo, the first person shooter franchise. Yeah, it just. The thing with, with Resident Evil 2 is, like, the games aren't necessarily tied directly to one another with every sequel, so there is room for experimentation. I mean, Resident Evil 7 is, spoilers if you haven't played it, the only thing that ties it to the original Resident Evil in terms of narrative is Chris at the end, you know? Yeah. Nothing else the, in that game. There's a lot more experimentation with all the different spinoffs in Resident Evil, so I get what you're saying there. Yeah. It, it's certainly more... I, uh, less surprising that they did it there than if they had done it with Halo, but I just think it'd be cool to see it. To Dom's game. point, I could see it in the hub location, but yeah, during actual gameplay, yeah. no. Um, man, I was I was thinking about like imagine if if you rank so highly or do so well, your armor gets retired, and there's like this museum of Spartans, and like you can walk in there and see people's like armor. That'd be pretty dope. That'd be really cool. A bunch of ideas. I, I definitely. I want to see more Spartan armor in Halo Infinite. Like, I want... Spartan armor is one of those things that you kind of don't get enough of. I know, like, Halo 5 and ODST, there's, like, groups of Spartans as opposed to just the one. But, uh, yeah, it'd be cool if that were more of a thing. It'd be interesting if there was... I don't know. I just want to see more about the game. I have so many questions, and we'll find out at E3 hopefully more. Um, but that's been episode 137 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast in terms of what we've been, what we've been playing, what we're going to be playing. God, I got the mouth mumbles. Um, the mouth <laughs> mumbles. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 for me. I'm, I need to finish that. We have eight Deadly Tell Sekiro um, and uh, Trials. I'm going to try to get that Inferno done depending on how many extreme levels lie ahead for me. And that's pretty much it for what I'm going to be playing. What about you guys? So eight days until Sekiro, and until then, I got a little bit of a surprise. I actually grabbed a little gem I've never played before called Shadow of the Colossus. So I'm going to see if I can squeeze that in. You should. In eight days, yeah. are, Are you upscaling your PS2 on... Your television? Are you in uh, sixteen by nine wide? Oh wait, you're playing the PS4 remake. Yeah, man, they just came out like a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't specify. I just, I had no idea. That's, yeah, that's fair, fair, fair question. That's a game that probably wouldn't look too much worse on a Vita either with the remote play. Yeah, I'll let you know. <laughs> of course, you. Uh, anything else? Just Shadow before Sekiro. Yeah, that'll be it. Jordan. Sekiro. I am uh, starting to get excited for this game. Hopefully, starting to get it meets our expectations. Um, I gotta say, I I don't think I'm going to be able to make it to day one without having bought it. Does that make sense? Like I'm gonna be there day one. I just haven't got there yet, especially with how I've been burned, especially with an anthem recently. Um, but yeah, I am getting more and more. I don't I don't even need it to be like Samurai Bloodborne. I just need it to have the From Software quick uh, action vibes. You know, it's not a Dark Souls slow action game. It's clearly, at least in the Bloodborne sphere of the Venn diagram, 
as far as speed goes. So, you know how much I love a good dash button, guys. You know <laughs> I love a good dash. So I'm just excited to learn a new From game because, like, obviously you yep. have to get back yep. in the groove for Dark Souls or Bloodborne, but this game, from everything I've read, is like you have to relearn how you play a From game. You can't go in it knowing sure. your your soul skill set and expect to do very well. So we'll see. And I'll say that like the weird mechanics look cool. Um, like definitely some verticality and you're like using your spring loaded arm or whatever you want to call it so there's some cool stuff there also uh, not sure who knows I might not play anything in between now and Sekido but uh, I, I might who knows but uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to the fact I've been going through some 80s movies uh, as of late and um, specifically went through uh, the mid 80s John Hughes stuff and um, Molly Ringwald starring in all three being the main tie uh, string that ties those together so um, that being uh, 16 Candles in 84 Breakfast Club in 85 and Pretty in Pink in 86 all quality films I think that 16 Candles is my favorite I had never seen that I had only ever seen Breakfast Club uh, but I think 16 Candles is my favorite. Some cool 80s vibes, which um, me, I've as far as like vibes that I wasn't around for, I was, I've always been more into like 60s and 70s stuff, specifically with music. So um, now I'm getting into more 80s stuff um, also with music is, is an interesting thing. So I wanted to give a shout out to that. I'm sure I'll be watching other 80s classics. Who knows which, though. I've got a plethora to choose from. Nice. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode... plethora. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on iTunes. Leave a review. It helps. On YouTube, you can just search Controlled Interest. will come up. Subscribe there. Leave a like. Smash that like button. Uh, the bell notification icon lets you know when our videos are uploaded, so that helps as well. On Twitter, we are at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest abbreviated. You can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom Zorios. And you can follow Jordan ML Modus. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week, episode 138. We'll have some news with uh, Google's keynote and other GDC goodies. So, catch you guys then. Bye.